Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome. Welcome to Caregivers Speak. I'm Marjorie Papstein, that's your host. want to remind you all that my website, mycaregivingcoach.com, has tons of wonderful caregiver resources, as does the sponsor of this show, eCareDiary.com. So please look at those two websites for many caregiver resources that are free and available for you. Today I want to welcome back my good friend and a wonderful geriatrician, Dr. Rosemary Laird, who is the medical director at Florida Hospital Center for Senior Health in Winter Park, Florida. Her passion is caring for older adults and their caregivers. She was educated at Georgetown University and the University of Chicago. On our last show, we delved into that first thorny issue about independence, uh, when your loved one really can be can no longer be independent. And I would refer you to the archive that is online uh, that you can go back to and share with your friends. And then today we're going to get to that second question that Dr. Laird has indicated is the second biggest question that she gets as a geriatrician, which is, how do you know? How do you know the difference between dementia and Alzheimer's disease? So welcome back, Dr. Laird, to the show. Thanks, Marjorie. We're delighted to have you back again. Uh, We've gotten so many great comments about our last show. So we're looking forward to this. So let's just start right at the, the question. Let's just jump right into it. What is the difference between dementia and Alzheimer's? I, I, I get this question so much, but I always love having the question because I feel like every time I say it, and we'll see what your eyes do, okay. I get this, this sort of twinkle in people's eyes when they really understand it after I'll okay. go through this. And, right. and that's always and, a nice uh, and feedback. Good. And we're going to imagine right, right. Everyone's that our listeners, have that. Oh. we're going to imagine that aha that's at the other end. The okay. aha twinkle. Okay. All right. So what dementia really is, is it's, a, it's not one specific disease, but it's a general or umbrella term for a change in our intellectual ability. And it's a change in our intellectual ability such that we have declining intellectual function that has come slowly over time and ultimately has made us not able to function like we used to independently and at the same level. Mm -hmm. So dementia is really this collection of diseases that can create that type of problem. It can be thought of as a brain failure unfortunately. If you think of how we learn about diseases of the heart, when we learn that the heart isn't pumping as well as it should, it Mm -hmm. gets called heart failure. If you think about people who go on kidney dialysis 
because their kidneys have failed. The primary function of that organ has stopped working, so we replace it with kidney dialysis. Well, a similar sort of thing is happening in dementia that we can know, we see it as a brain failure. So a chronic brain failure is what dementia is. There are many different causes of that brain failure. So dementia is kind of our collective, um, I call it the umbrella term, yeah. and things like Alzheimer's disease, vascular dementia, Lewy body disease, those are all diseases that can lead to dementia. So okay. if, if dementia was a type of a pie, uh -huh. Alzheimer's disease would be an apple pie. Oh, there's C. Yes. Now okay. that's the yes. one that really gets people. That's it. So people often say, well, what do you get first, dementia or Alzheimer's okay. disease? And I say, no, no. Alzheimer's disease is a cause of dementia. If you have Alzheimer's disease, you have dementia. Yeah. Did I get the did yes, I get the did. look? So, did I get the so look? Say that thing about the pie again. One more so, time. So sure, sure. So dementia, if we use the analogy of a pie, dementia yeah. is the term pie. Mm -hmm. But Alzheimer's disease is a type of disease mm -hmm. that creates dementia. Alzheimer's disease is like an apple pie. Okay. So Give us some examples, the, the, the signs. How, how do you spot each one of these? So the things that I usually tell caregivers to look for, or even people, I'll have ch adult children stop me on the street and say, hey, I'm starting to worry about mom, or you know what yeah. my dad did the other day. Yeah. So the things that I, that I tell people to think through are, and I tell them to do this kind of silently. I don't want them to be <laughs> too obvious in right, their right, observation. Right. But one of the key things that you're looking for is a clear and consistent change in your loved one's ability to think. So when I gave you the definition of dementia early on, I said mm -hmm. it, was a, it was a progressive decline in function. Yeah. Well, what happens is, what someone used to be able to do intellectually, that's declining. So this is a disease where intellectual function declines. Mm -hmm. And it's going to show up day to day in things like not showing up at the church at the right time. Uh -huh. Or you all decide to go to the restaurant ABC for a family dinner and mom shows up at a restaurant across town. So that's an example, and mom would never have shown up, right. never had made that mistake in the past. Right. You're looking for that change in intellectual function. Now the other categories of things, in, in addition to memory, are things like judgment, uh, things like misplacing things around the house. Yeah. You hear mom say for the fourth or fifth time, you know, I lost my wallet or I lost my pocketbook. Yeah. And mom would never have done that before. So you're starting to look for change in those intellectual abilities yeah. that really strikes you as something happening out of the norm for that individual. So in that instance, that would be Alzheimer's. Well, that would be a symptom that would be enough to take, have your loved one get evaluated yes. but yes. could very well turn out to be yes. 
Alzheimer's disease. Because I have a good friend whose daughter um, took her to be assessed, worrying that it could be Alzheimer's. And it turned out the assessment was this is a mild but recurring kind of, you know, worse one day than another form of dementia. And she was quite relieved to hear that, that this, that her mother's intellectual capabilities were pretty good, except that they were waning. And that from one day to another, they might, you know, she might be better at remembering certain things. So it is a fine line, isn't it? Well, that even brings up a more difficult aspect of this whole thing, and, and that is um, the, all the diseases that cause dementia typically have a very slow and kind of insidious mm-hmm. start to them and yep. progression. Yes. So very often you may have the first symptom uh, or the first set of symptoms where you'll make maybe one or two mistakes in a month. Right. But eventually you're at the point of daily symptoms. And that's actually what we talk to people about is how frequently are these intellectual lapses happening? As we get older, all of us, kind of the universal thing that happens to all of us as we get older, you know, we all have to put our cheaters on. We put our glasses right. on. And, and our hair turns gray and right. stuff like that. So the universal thing that happens to our brains is that they, it slows down. But it should still be able to do the functions it used to do. It might be a little slower, but it shouldn't yeah. lose function. So, for example, I have an example. Okay, okay. So, um, I'm a literature major. I consider myself a wordsmith. I'm a writer. And now and again, I cannot remember the right word, you know, the right, the the perfect word for whatever. And it drives me crazy. And then maybe 20 minutes later, I remember that word. That is a perfect example. (laughs) That is a perfect example. So those senior moments that make us all crazy and embarrass us. But that's a perfect example. So it's it's infrequent. It's usually a nuisance more than causing you a big problem. Right. Um, Right. Oftentimes, too, you might have a strategy going in your mind about how you're going to remember that word. So you might remember, well, I saw it in this article, or I know this author likes that term, Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. you may go and look up. So you're doing things to kind of help, but 20 minutes later, there it is. That delay is is the natural aging process. Well, in individuals who maybe have symptoms that you need to get to the doctor about, those sorts of lapses will happen more frequently. So typically it's daily basis sort of thing by the time someone really needs to get yeah, if okay. not sooner. So frequency so. would be a, one oh, of those yeah. signs. Oh, definitely, yeah. yes. And, um, you know, uh, using words is something that uh, can can happen to all of us, but the key there is change. Yeah. So if you really have a significant change in vocabulary or change in ability to uh, write, uh, you know, those are, those are the reasons why I said change is so important. Yeah. Some of us don't have great memories to start with. And so if I have a you know bad memory today and I'm 80 and I have a bad memory, that that is an Alzheimer's disease. Right. That's just, that's just me. You, right. But if you have a change in intellectual activity that's starting to be very frequent and yeah. to cause you trouble, because that was the other piece here, is mm-hmm. that all of the dementias, all of those diseases, 
are diseases that impede someone's ability to function normally exactly. and independently. Exactly. So it can't just be nuisance stuff. Right. It's right. got to be you're you know function. you're not showing up. You're taking the wrong medicine. You paid the bill three times. Yeah. And you can't be convinced yeah. you already paid the bill. Exactly. You know those are sort of the level <laughs> yeah. at which that's okay. the disease yeah. of Alzheimer's disease a type of dementia. Yeah. That's very, very helpful. So I'm sitting out there, my caregiver, and I'm at that cusp of where I'm kind of thinking I better take mom or dad in or even my husband in. Um, what kinds of tools are available for caregivers? You mentioned assessment earlier. So, well, one of my favorite um, sites to talk about is the Alzheimer's Association uh, website. So uh, that site has uh, the warning signs on it. And it also has a tool called the letter A, the letter D, and the number 8, AD8. And that's a terrific uh, tool that was uh, really created to have individuals think about their loved one and think about that question of change. Have you seen change in your loved one's ability to do? And then there's eight questions. And you can go through that and get a sense of whether or not the amount of change you're seeing is at a worrisome level that you should be taking your loved one for an assessment. And um, so you've talked about dementia as a normal part of aging. That's just terrific to look forward to. But you know what? I think when we've talked on this show before, other guests, that as you get older, if it's a, if you're reasonably healthy and it's a normal process of aging, you do lose some things, but you gain others. Things like perspective, right? Absolutely. And wisdom. So, you know, it's it's not all bad for those no, who are no. listening to us. Oh, and absolutely. And let me just clarify one thing you said. So dementia isn't a natural part of everyone's aging. Oh, really? Okay. No, no. Great. Okay. So, uh, Good. The better as, news. Right, right. <laughs> the age-related change is that our brains will slow down. But that's not dementia either. So dementia has to be a real decline in your ability to function, or excuse me, a real decline in your intellectual ability that creates right. an inability to function. Um, that is going to happen about, I'd say, 40 to 50% of us who live beyond 85 or 90 years old. But on the glass half full side of things, <laughs> you've still got about half of us that yes. don't have dementia, even in those really later years of life. So we want to be one of those, you know, we want, we want to, to all try to be someone without that. But, um, yeah, so that's that's um, that's probably one of the real important things to understand is great. that um, they're... Great. That's, that's great. Thanks for that clarification. And I'm going to ask Dr. Laird in a few moments, you know, are there ways to perhaps try to avoid uh, dementia or Alzheimer's? But first, I want to get back to this senior moment thing. Okay. And so I want to provide an example, and then I want to okay. hear your reaction. So I'm getting really worried that I'm developing Alzheimer's disease. I'm 78 years old. I'm in generally good health for an old gal. But every now and then, I cannot for the life of me remember the name of someone I really should know, like maybe my best friend even. It's so embarrassing. But more importantly, is it Alzheimer's disease? So I must get asked this about uh, five or six <laughs> or ten times a week, but I'm always happy to answer it because it does it does a couple things. It lets me remind people that Alzheimer's 
and any of the dementia illnesses is not an inevitable part of everyone's later years. Yeah. It's about half of the people over age 90, but the other half mm -hmm. still, you know, don't have to face that. When we have some of those senior moments that we talk about, uh, it's important to think over how frequently they're happening, how serious they are, and how much it represents a significant change for you, and if it's really impeding anything you need to do functionally. Yeah. And without, if, if those things aren't happening, then you're probably in the senior moment category. Yeah. Now, that tool I mentioned for caregivers to go to, it was designed for caregivers, but you as an individual could go to that as well and ask yourself those questions and say, hey, how do I feel about myself and these, you know, how often do I feel like I repeat or forget things? Yeah. Um, and yeah. with an honest assessment, you would get a pretty uh -huh. good review. Yeah. Um, there's also no uh, harm, and in fact, I think there's a lot of good that can come from asking your physician to do a baseline memory assessment. Uh, most of the doctors will know uh, there's several different uh, examples. Again, the Alzheimer's Association site has an example on it, but um, there's parts of the Medicare uh, insurance that will pay for those kinds of assessments done in the course of your visits. So I think it's great to have that done. And I tell the adult children of patients I see now, get one done and have your baseline. Because think back to what I said. One of the key ways to diagnose or for doctors to know is that there's been a change. Yes. What better way to have a change? These assessment tools I'm talking about end right. up giving everyone a number. Right. So what's your number? Yeah. They're, they're all out of 30 for whatever reason. So yeah. we want people to be yeah. a 27, 28, 29, or 30. So if, if you know your number when you were 70 was 30, right. and now you're 85 and it's changed significantly down to 20, yeah. you know, that that's gives a sign. That's a, that's a <clears throat> sign you, you, know, you need to know, so you need to know what to do. Yeah. So number one, it gives me the opportunity to, ask, to tell people about that. But the second thing is what you said. There's so much more we know now about how to keep the brain healthy that I kind of feel sorry for my patients sitting in front of me. Um, that they didn't have that opportunity. Exactly. So you want me to go through the well, yes. list? Do we have a few minutes? Uh, yes, we absolutely do. And then I, I wanted to ask if there are any treatments. Okay. Well, uh, let's just do that one first, and then we'll go to, okay, all the ways that you can try to prevent. Yeah. So, well, what, are, so what are the treatments? We hear that there's really oh, not much. It's such a sad part of this yeah. illness is that there really isn't, there's no treatment for cure. There are treatments to palliate or mm -hmm. to sort of make less bad. <laughs> We've done a lot of arts work on this on this show, by the way. We've got artists on who do poetry and storytelling. Those are all palliative things. Yeah, You're yeah. absolutely right. Creates calm and sense, some sense of stimulation. Well, but it, does, it doesn't, it doesn't it make it go cure. away. It and even not. the medicines that are available don't yeah. make it go away. Yeah. But I believe those you know, steps to make things better, to palliate, mm -hmm. are extremely important. Yeah. So for the patient side of things, I love the work you've done in that area because it's, 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 it's definitely not talked about enough. Now, back to our, our 70, 70 year old gal who was worried about yes. her senior moments. So some of the key things we know, number one, if anyone is still smoking, that is one of the biggest Worst. known risk factors. So that's just got to go. And right. don't think that you can't still help yourself 
because they've shown that um, just stopping uh, within three to five years, there's benefit. So definitely get off cigarettes if you can. This, the next most important area is high blood pressure. So if anyone has high blood pressure that's not adequately controlled or that they're really not paying as much mm -hmm. attention to, you, you, you just really have got to do that. And there's risk not only for one of the dementias is called vascular dementia. So one of the causes of dementia mm -hmm. is vascular, mm -hmm. and that refers to strokes that can happen when the blood supply to the brain is cut off. Yeah. Um, much like a heart attack, but a mm -hmm. brain attack. Mm -hmm. So that's not a, that's not definitely good. not good. And high blood pressure leads to that. Yeah. So high blood pressure is the next. The next real high risk factor that we're starting to learn more and more about is diabetes. And there is a much greater known association between diabetes and Alzheimer's disease in particular than we thought in the past. Oh, really? So this is recent, probably in the recent? last five to five years or so. We're just starting to see a lot more because now we have a lot more individuals who have, are living with diabetes a lot longer. So we're starting to see oh, some I of see. these things sure. come out. They were probably there in the past. We just yes, didn't have big numbers to people. Know. Yeah. So keeping the diabetes under control is ever more important. Mm -hmm. And diabetes and high blood pressure often go hand in hand, so yeah. that's important. Um, so we've. Uh, we've talked some about the risk. The one thing I do want to point out um, that we do have some evidence of a way you can help yourself in addition to taking care of these, well, not smoking and taking care of your mm -hmm. health conditions is, is um, exercise. Now, a lot of times when I say that, my patients or, the, or whoever I'm talking to, since we're asking, we're talking about keeping their brain healthy, do you know what kind of exercise they think I mean? A crossword puzzle. Oh. So they, mean, they think I mean brain exercise. And I do, but, but. the evidence is much oh, stronger for physical exercise. Yeah. So I tell everybody, if you have 30 minutes and you want to do something to help your brain, go take a walk. A lot of them think, oh, I should pull out the New York Times crossword puzzle. Mm -hmm. And I say, no, that's because not exercise it. Because makes the brain, that makes blood flow through the brain. It, it, exactly. it enlivens the cells in the body. Exactly. And think of what we just got done talking about, to, um, smoking, total killer on your circulation. Yes. Hyper, uh, hypertension mm -hmm. decreases mm -hmm. circulation and hurts the blood vessels. Yes. Diabetes does the same thing. So you are exactly right. It's the promoting of circulation, the delivery of nutrients to the brain cells, yes. the removal of hazardous chemicals and toxins from the tissues mm -hmm. of the brain that are naturally there. Right. That happens because blood circulates properly. So if you're a couch potato, <laughs> one of the biggest things you can do to try to change what your brain health is like in your late, later years is to start hitting 30 minutes a day of physical activity. Moderate amount of activity, moderate uh, sort of strenuousness. It doesn't have to be, you know, crazy cycling or getting ready for a marathon, but it should be more than daily movement. Right. So, but you should right. still, for moderate activity, you should still be able to have a uh, conversation while you're while you're doing, doing that activity. Yeah. 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 But walking perfectly fine, you know, that's great universal exercise. So that's probably one of the the biggest things in addition to those other um, health right. conditions we talked about. Now, now, Dr. Rosemary Laird, you have not mentioned having a drink every day. And I know there are people out there saying, oh, what about my glass of wine that's going to be coming up here in a couple hours. <laughs> 
What about that? Right. Well, I know. I've had a lot of people very worried about what my answer to that will be. So what I generally say is because of the fact that we have really good evidence of it, of that red wine, especially helping from a cardiovascular standpoint, mm -hmm. the connection I just made between cardiovascular health and brain health holds. So pretty much if you read something or you get told something's going to help your heart health, you can bet it's going to help your brain health. So wine is still okay yeah. uh, in that respect. Moderate amount. In moderation, yeah. So there is a type of dementia mm -hmm. that can be brought about by excessive alcohol and among the other uh, yeah. myriad problems that too much alcohol brings. Yeah. But in moderation, uh, there yeah. certainly is. There, that's an okay. You get, and, you get a check okay. for that. So diet... Now, we lean out off of that chocolate cake, but what should we be eating that would be most helpful? So from a dietary standpoint, the evidence we have is strongest for the Mediterranean diet. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm, I always feel sad that they um, have the word diet in that phrase or in mm -hmm. that name because in America that gives you a bad rap. Um, in, right. in the Mediterranean countries, it's just the way they eat, so they yeah. don't even have to put that term on there. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but that that uh, set of nutritional guidelines and sort of nutritional mm -hmm. habits around their lean lean meats lean and grains and seafood, yeah. right? Veggies. That that sort of approach to your um, food choices is it's been shown by research to be the most beneficial, not only for patients who already have Alzheimer's disease, but for patients who don't. So there's some interesting um, data on both. Uh, sort of a preventive as well as a, you know, it's palliative still. It's not yes. going to make right. Alzheimer's go away, but it's it's helping that individual through the course. At least of the maybe illness. the progression of the disease isn't quite as. Yeah, no, although maybe. the main thing is probably keeping their uh, other health uh, higher quality, uh, and and so not having a compounding yeah. effect of different um, health and all conditions. these things do work. When you're thinking of together. quality of life, yeah, when you're thinking of quality of life in the later years, the health conditions really start to be the driver. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, that's they'll all add up. So the more you can do to kind of, you know, keep everything else humming along at, at the highest efficiency you can, if there is a problem area for you, the better off. You can then compensate at least. So to some degree. Right, right. And you mentioned chocolate cake. So chocolate does end up on the list because of its <laughs> antioxidant property. But I don't necessarily have strong research background for yeah. that on you. But in general, that and blueberries and all those yeah, fun yeah. Um, antioxidant right. um, foods end up on there. But I know you're not talking about cake so much. as like, like a nice, <laughs> a nice little small oh, yes. piece of dark chocolate. Right, right, right. Yeah, That's exactly. True. true. Exactly. Well, would you believe we have come to the end of our, our 30 minutes so fast. today? But what a wealth of information for everyone out there. I would like to remind our listeners that there will be an archive of this show in a day or two on both websites, mycaregivingcoach.com and ecarediary.com, who is our sponsor. And um, I know we're going to have Dr. Laird back on other occasions uh, dealing with, and, you know, sorting out, if you will, uh, the fact from the fiction, what we can, um, you know, be aware of, uh, tips for 
getting rid of as much uncertainty in our lives as possible, knowing that life is about uncertainty sometimes. But thank you again, Rosemary Laird, for all of the wonderful things and, and ideas and tips you've given us. You're welcome. Happy to be here. Yeah. And thanks to all of our listeners out there. We appreciate you so much. Let us know uh, your reactions. And we'll see you again on the radio on mycaregivingcoach.com and ecarediary.com, sponsor of Caregiver Speak. Have a great day. Bye.